turns out I was sitting at the singles table, which you would think would be great, except for my ex-girlfriend with two seats down from me. We'd just not long split up. Welcome to episode 16 of the Photographer's Crack Podcast. I am your host, James Kelly, and I'm here by myself. Yes, sadly, Ross is away working in Italy on a school skiing holiday. Well, so he says. He says he's working, but to be brutally honest, all I see is uh, pictures of him on Instagram and stories on Instagram enjoying himself. So whether that's really work, I do not know, but... He does say he's looking after 33 kids, which sounds like hell, to be brutally honest. So it is just me today, and I am going to be trying to do a little podcast. Um, this is actually the second time that I've recorded this. Sadly, halfway through the first time, I started getting hiccups and um, realized I was speaking really fast, so deleted it. And uh, I was actually uh, looking on Facebook and... Um, saw the Met Office talking about the possibility of snow and I was getting a bit bummed because I've seen everyone, everyone in America and in the Northern Hemisphere and well, the Northern Northern Hemisphere and all these other places getting snow, even the Faroe Islands have got snow and I'm like, I'm really annoyed that we've got no snow, then Glencoe's got snow and I stood up and just happened to look outside and I saw that it was snowing. So it's snowing, which I'm I'm just over the moon about. I love the snow. The snow is like my summer. Makes me really happy. I can't wait to get out in it. So we d- we decided to wake up our um our three and a half year old son and I recorded it and we woke him up to tell him that it's snowing and I don't think he was too impressed. So um yeah, that's that's interesting. So Yep, I'm here on my own. Uh, we're going to cover a few topics, kind of give you an update of what's been happening with me and some things that are going to be happening with the podcast and then a couple of questions that have come through from the Facebook group and that should be it. So we'll try and keep it not too long. Um, you don't want to hear my dulcet tones through the whole for the next hour, which I can imagine is terrible. So what's been happening with myself? Well, I have just finished um, editing my last wedding. Well, I say just finished. This was last week. Finished my last wedding of 2018. Uh, phenomenal wedding. Um, I do normally send them away to photographers edit, but this one was it was a difficult one. There was no, um, there really was no um, natural light at all the whole day. They got married at three o'clock. Sunset was quarter past three, and LED lights everywhere. And it was just a bit of a nightmare. So I decided to do it myself, which which I was over the moon with. I was really happy with, and I'm very happy with the picture. So that's been pretty good. I am redesigning my wedding packages. In fact, I've actually removed the packages altogether. What I've done is a basic um, package, which is just everything, me altogether, high resolution images and a small album, and then loads of optional extras after that. So that is, um, that's been done. I'm quite excited to send that to people and get their feedback. Uh, I've also been doing my checklist for my clients. So as I mentioned before, in one of the previous podcasts, I had a huge, big, um, I've got far, four printouts of all the weddings from the last uh, last year, uh, well, 2017, 2018, and then 2019, 2020. So everyone who's booked with me, plus spare spaces for all future bookings. And this is basically a checklist from the minute they booked me right through to getting their album and kind of closing off my account with them. Whole process of everything that needs to be done 
I have um, print, printed this, got this printed off, and it's a massive checklist. So I'm going through all that and adding a load of new clients who have just booked with us for the next couple of years. So that's really good. Um, updating my how-to videos. So um, I use a client management software called Sprout Studio, and they've just done a major update um, and introduced um, print credits, which have just been phenomenal. So I've just re-updated my how-to videos, and these are the videos that I send to clients explaining how to use their portal or how to use their gallery and things like that and just makes things a lot, lot easier. And I'm also in the process of um, putting together um, a page on my website, which I will send to clients and it has all my price lists for products and um, all the how-to videos. So it's a one-stop shop for all my clients. If I have any problems, go to this page. This will teach you how to do everything. It saves me having to constantly repeat, you know, questions and answers and things like this to clients. So doing that um updating my website so website gets a haul of new images from last year is getting added and i'm also um about to launch my whole adventure session um we've actually got a competition on friday starting where we're giving away a free uh, adventure session and a, a night stay in a hotel and then loads of other stuff so really looking forward to that uh, and then lastly trying to get my office sorted i moved into my office about four months ago and it's taken me a while to get everything over there. I mean, it's nothing special. It's a windowless basement um, office. It's quite big. It's nice and cheap. Um, but sadly, the internet, is, we're meant to have fiber optic broadband and it's four megabyte. It's ridiculous. And my the company, the owner, are just really doing nothing about it. So that's been a bit disappointing. It means I'd have to take my computer out there, do all my work out there, and then any uploading or any major internet work, I'd have to then come home and do it on the laptop in the house, um, which is a bit of a pain, but we're going to set it up anyway, so it'll be quite good. It's going to be a fantastic space for doing podcasts and future videos and things like that. Um, so that's been it. So it's, it's been a very productive um, couple of weeks, and also I don't actually have a wedding for another uh, 10 weeks, so I'm enjoying this time off with the family and catching up with all the tedious work and paperwork and accounts and all that sort of stuff, so looking forward to that. We are going to be making a few changes to the podcast. We are actually going to be splitting the podcast, still keeping it the same name, but we've kind of decided that we're going to split it between landscape and weddings. And the reason for this is a lot of people on this podcast are landscape photographers and no interest in weddings and vice versa. There's a lot of people who like weddings but have no interest in landscape. So we decided what we're going to do is two podcasts a month and one will be landscape, one will be weddings. And we will headline it, whether it's going to be landscape or weddings. Um, so, you know, so if you don't want to listen to the wedding one, that's fine. You've got the landscape one. So that'd be really good. Um, I'm also toying with the idea of maybe doing a couple of podcasts um, to do with the whole business side of photography. Um, I know there's a lot of material out there. There's a lot of companies, websites, podcasts that teach you the business side of things. And I'm kind of... I've got some ideas written down on what I could talk about um, and, and discuss the business side of thing, everything from, you know, how to get into the industry and um, pricing yourself and, and just questions and problems. So if this is something me and Ross might do together, might do a landscape, a wedding and then a business one, you know, so three podcasts uh, uh, a month, which I'm sure he'd be happy about. It's hard enough trying to get us uh, um, tied down every two weeks, but we'll make time for this because we really love doing this podcast. So we're going to be enjoying that. Um, just a little reminder that we have our Facebook group. If you're not part of our Facebook group, you can go to Facebook and you can type in James, um, not James Kelly, <laughs> you can type in the Photographer's Crack podcast and it will come up with our group. 
join. We will accept you if we think you're legitimate enough to be in it and not just some dodger. Uh, we've had a few people from around the world trying to join, and they just mm, doesn't look um, just doesn't look right to be honest. So they've been denied. Um, and yeah, so you know, make sure you get on the group. There's links here on our website. If you're on our website, there's links to the Facebook group there as well. So on the Facebook group, we want you to ask us questions. If you're having any issues, any problems, um, or you just want to know a little bit more information, you can ask us on the Facebook group or you can email us. And the email is hello at thephotographerscrack.com and we will get your answers to you. We'll answer on the podcast or if it's something quite urgent, we can just give you a reply straight away and then discuss it more on the podcast. So we had a couple of questions this week. One of them came from Ross himself and also Scott Andrew asking about traveling with Kit. Um, you know, it's always quite difficult when you're going abroad or just traveling anywhere really with Kit. And I'm assuming these people are talking about, you know, traveling abroad, going on planes, things like this. So I do do a bit of traveling, um, especially when we're traveling up to the Faroe Islands. And I tend to take majority of all my kit with me. Um, the way that I do this is I have an S-Dot bag. I've got two S-Dot bags, actually. And I'm the sort of person that takes all my kit with me. So up until last year, in my in my kind of luggage that I would take onto the, the plane with me, uh, my um, carry-on luggage, it would be my S-Dot bag. I would have my two cameras, uh, my 70 to 200, my 24 to 70, my 85 1.4, uh, and a couple of flashes, and then I would also have a couple of my hard drives. Now I use I use a Leica, um, uh, a Lisa like Le- not Leica. I wish it was Leica, Lisa uh, hard drives, uh, and I would use a big D two. Um, I think it's D two and there's D three now hard drives, which are big solid plug in ones. Um, you know you need you need proper power for it. Uh, and up until last year, I actually moved over to the rugged ones as well. So the rugged ones now come with me, which has dropped so much weight. But before. I was traveling with three of these big hard drives and with that, the camera, the lenses and then all the other gear, laptop, etc. My bag was coming in at 12 kilograms. Now, I hope Atlantic Airways are not listening to this, but, you know, it was 12 kilograms of weight on my back that I was carrying. And there's usually a lot of Iris' stuff if she was with me and the kids stuff as well. It was, it was a bit crazy, but that's what I had to take and then anything that wasn't as important there's a couple of lenses that are not of really any major value they would be wrapped up in bubble wrap put in my bag wrapped around with all the socks and things like that and then taken in the hold luggage uh, oh also on my tripod my tripod would always be with me as well and I'd have that to the side now I've only ever had one issue I think two issues with traveling and both have been amazing I've got through security um, got right up to the plane and they've, they've, they've told me that, you know, the plane's really full. Do you mind checking your bag in? Then what I would do is I would actually say, yeah, no problem at all. But do you mind if I take out the compartment itself? So the, the ICU, the in-camera unit, detach that and I'd slide it out, give them my bag. And then the ICU can slip under the chair or it fits really nicely into it. So I've got all the major hard drives and my cameras with me there. So that's really good. That's only ever happened once I think that was coming down from Iceland the second time was actually there was no room for my bag but they asked me if they could put it on a spare seat so yeah no problem at all just make sure it's strapped in so and I could keep an eye on it so that was really good so traveling is it's not easy um especially if you like me and you want to take all your kit I cannot recommend a really good bag a really good traveling bag one that you know planes are going to be happy with um if you're taking a lot of gear I would look at things like the think tank 
kind of bags, um, you know, and they're really good. Um, I think, who else makes them? Pelican cases, things like this. So you get some of them with wheels, rollers. They look like a normal kind of travel on bag for a plane, but they just, they're just kitted out for all your gear and your tripod, uh, your your laptops and things like that. They're worth uh, looking into. It is something I'm looking into at the moment for next year because we have a bit of traveling happening. Oh, not next year, this year. Um, this year we have a bit of traveling, so I'm looking at getting a roller kit for that. And then I would just simply just throw my S-Dot bags into my luggage and do it like that. So yeah, so travel, look at good quality bags, think about all the gear that you're going to take you. Do you really need to take it? Um, is it expensive? If it is, keep it on you. Just remember when you're going through security, especially with all these bags, is unzip them and open the bag and let them know I have camera gear in here. Um, but explain to them that it'd be a bit of a hassle to take it all out. Just make sure you take your laptop and your iPads and things like that out. All the camera gear, unzip it so it's easy for them to scan and do expect security to take it aside. They always take my bag aside. So I always um, add that time in there to make sure that that, you know, I'm not going to end up late with that. So yeah, I think that's probably, if there's any other questions relating to that or anyone who wants to kind of follow on from that, please, please add your input um, or ask away. But just travel smart, take the gear that you need and make sure that you're properly insured. Make sure your gear is all insured and that your travel insurance covers all your equipment as well because you just never know what's going to happen. So that's the first question. Thank you, Ross and Scott. Second one comes in from Ross Cameron and he asks, you may have already covered this, but how did you start in wedding photography and what would be your top tips for anyone thinking about it? Right. So I'm not sure about Ross, how you got into it, but maybe in the next podcast he can um, come on board and, and ask. How I got into photography is a bit different. Now, I'm going to jump ahead and give you some tips uh, if you're thinking about getting into it. If I'm honest with you, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. If I was new to wedding photography right now, oh man, I would. it would be so difficult to break into it. It is. And I see so many people starting out or getting into it and calling themselves photographers. And I'm going to be a wedding photographer, but I've never shot a wedding and, and all this sort of stuff. The thing you need to remember, and this is to everyone, the wedding is the most important day of someone's life at that time. You know, you as a photographer who has no experience wants to be a wedding photographer. Great, excellent. But remember, if you do a wedding and you don't know what you're doing and you you F it up, then you're in trouble. And that's your reputation already ruined before you started. It's not worth it. What I suggest doing is asking photographers and multiple photographers, can you assist? Can I carry your bags? Give up your weekends? You know, if you really want to do this, you're going to, you, you're going to, it's going to take over your life. It really does. To start with, it takes over your life. And no one ever tells you that. When you become a wedding photographer, for the first couple of years, you've got to give it everything. So remember that um, it's going to, yeah, it's, it's going to take over. I'm just, I'm think, reminiscing back to when I first started and I just, it 24-7 is all I, I did. So Think about assisting, get in there with a photographer, assist, carry bags, lighting, cameras, batteries, whatever, just carry everything, just be the gopher, you know, and if they say to jump, if they tell you how, um, start that again, if they tell you to jump, you ask how high, simple as that, and watch what they do, and write everything down, don't take an iPad, don't take a phone, don't make notes on those things, make notes in a um, um, paper and on a, a pad of paper, God, I'm slurring my words here, pad 
of paper. I know I've not been drinking and a pen because it looks a little bit better than being on your phone or your iPad. Note everything down. Look at how the photographer works. Look how they interact with their clients. Look how they pose people, what equipment they use, ask them their settings. Just be there to do all that, you know, and assist a second photographer if they have one there as well. But do it with multiple photographers because everyone works differently. So definitely recommend doing that. Work your way up to being a second photographer. I mean, second photographers have it so easy. You get to rock up, you get to take pictures, right? And then you hand over the memory cards, you get paid and you go home. The first photographer will do all the editing, you know, so you don't have to. And you get paid for it and do that for, I mean, do that for a couple of years. Get 20, 30 weddings under your belt before you go and do your own wedding. You know, I know it sounds a lot, but it will come quickly if you just get out there. Secondly, and also don't expect to get paid for it. You won't get paid for it. If you if you get paid for it, you're lucky, but don't expect it. Um, you're going to get paid in, in knowledge and experience, which is worth its weight in gold, to be brutally honest. The other thing as well, if you become a second photographer, make sure, and I can't stress enough, make sure you have a contract with your photographer. Have it in writing. Ask them and say to them, look, if I take some images and they're really good, do you mind if I edit themselves and use them for my portfolio? Now, my second photographer does that. She can use her images that she takes and she can edit them herself and she can use them for her portfolio. But she has to state state that she was the second photographer with myself on Facebook, on website. She has to state she was not the photo- first photographer. She was the second photographer. But these are her images and her images are fantastic. So, you know, she gets she gets inquiries for that sort of thing as well. So make sure you have a contract and make sure that you're both happy with it. It's really, really important. And work your way up, you know, and be confident. Because like I said before, someone's day, you can't mess it up. You can't, you can't, um, you can't delete everything or be quiet or shy, reserved. And, 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 and that happens a lot. You need to be a good wedding photographer before you can start doing weddings yourself. And I see it all the time. And I have people email me all the time going, oh, we had a friend do our wedding and we're really not happy with the pictures. Can you edit them to make them look like yours? And I'm like, well, no, I can't for copyright reasons. And two, that's really cheeky. You'd be just as cheap booking me to have done your, photo- your, your wedding, but too late, you know, it's a shame that these things happen, you know? So, and that happens a lot. You know, so so just take your time with it. Um, gear, definitely invest in gear, good lenses. If you don't have them, rent them. You know, backup batteries. Um, the other thing I recommend is backup clothes. Take spare trousers, shirts, everything, underwear. Take it all with you, you know, because these things happen, as I will explain and how I got into wedding photography in my first wedding. So that's the best way to do it. So I'm trying to think of any other tips. I'm sure they'll be come up with more and I'll get them through throughout the show. If not, I will add them into the Facebook page and uh, on the group. So that'd be quite good. So how did I get into wedding photography? Well, let me take you back to... Mm, I started doing photography in 2013, 2014. And in 2015, I set up my business, James Kelly Photography. And I also set up another business called Modern Image. And I used to do nightclub photography. I was in the bars and clubs taking pictures. Now, I will add, stone cold sober. I didn't drink when I was out taking pictures. I was sober. All my friends were doing the partying. But I was in every bar and club in Aberdeen. And I built this business to to basically employ photographers all over Scotland. It was phenomenal. It was great. 
but it destroyed my life. It destroyed my relationship with my girlfriend at the time and my finances, everything it was horrible. And I took on a business partner and it, it didn't work out and I ended up selling the business to him. And then a few months later after I left, it, it kind of went bust. And basically I left and a lot of people lost faith in, in the business and pulled their advertising. But I took a kind of break from the photography. I didn't know if it was what I really wanted to do. And I went to work as front of house for a, a restaurant and I learned so much about customer care between working in that, that restaurant and also working for Starbucks in my earlier days. I learned so much about customer care from these places and that helped with my photography. And then one day a friend of mine asked me if I'd photograph her wedding and I was like, no. I said, you are basically got a no expense beard wedding. I am not photographing this wedding and um, you need a professional photographer. And, and for months she nagged me and then... About six months before the wedding, we went to a wedding show together and every photographer that she liked was fully booked for her date. And then afterwards, I kind of sat down with her and I was like, okay, right, I'll do it. Um, and at that point, she brought out a big folder of all the photographs she wanted and then that's when the panic started kicking in. Um, it was it was pretty horrible that six months leading up to the wedding, the stress was just incredible. Um, the night before the wedding, I didn't sleep. Um, it was just, just horrible. And then I had to... I, I wanted a second photographer to help me because I was, I was really um, paranoid. So I hired a second photographer. And the funny thing is that what I got paid by the bride to do the wedding all went to the second photographer to pay him because that's what he asked for. Um, and it, it was crazy. And, and the day came and the morning was nice and chilled. It was fine. And she was I was I expected her to be a nightmare bride. And she ended up being just phenomenal. She was really good. And then um, taking loads and loads of, I mean, spray and pray, just click, 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 click. And I remember I learned with film. I learned with black and white and color film, 35 mil um, medium format. So I'm very reserved taking pictures. I don't normally, you know, go sniper and take lots of pictures. I um, probably sniper is not the right word to use it. Actually, probably, you know, just, just pull the trigger and hope for the best. Um so I was taking loads of pictures and then after the ceremony, I came out and said, like, oh, I filled all my memory cards except for this one small one. I thought, shit, what am I going to do? So I gave my laptop and um, my memory cards to my friend and said, look, can you back these up on the laptop for me and I'll get them back at the venue. So off he went and we jumped into the horse-drawn carriage and rolled up to the venue and I met him a little bit later and he gave him memory cards. He's like, good news and bad news. These ones are backed up, but this one here isn't backed up because this is the memory cards by the way because um the the pins in the memory card reader have broken and it's compact flash so they won't fit in the memory card i was like oh no okay and without thinking the stress of everything i threw the memory card the two memory cards two compact flash memory cards into the camera and i clicked format on both of them and i deleted all the photographs of her getting in red in the morning i thought oh shit, what have i done it's a disaster so I just had to carry on with the day and we, we, we did all the family shots. We discovered that the brother had gone missing. So we had to redo all the family shots again. And then, um, you know, and to, to be really honest, I also managed to sweat through two shirts and I had to call my dad, who lucky enough lived quite close. Um, Mum and dad lived quite close at the time. So they came up with shirts for me. Uh, I split my trousers down a crotch. <laughs> it was just a disaster. Um, and then to make it even worse, after the speeches, I sat down at the table. And it turns out I was sitting at the singles table 
which you would think would be great, except for my ex-girlfriend with two seats down from me. We'd just not long split up. Um, so that was a disaster. And during a meal, I maybe had a couple of drinks and it went to my head and I got boozy and that's never happened again. Well, actually, it's one time, but it's my best mate's wedding. I was photographing and it was an Arcadian cog. And that's all I remember. So never mind. <laughs> I did get lots of pictures, so it was fine. Everything during the day was fine. It was late in the evening. I let my hair down a little bit. So did all the nighttime photographs. I was just sick with the thought of losing these pictures. And it was great. And then the next day, I was going on a family holiday. So we were flying down early morning down to Heathrow from Aberdeen. And we were flying out to Egypt. We are going to like Sharm el-Sheikh or some god-awful place like that that we were in. And I got to Heathrow and I knew that you could buy these memory cards and they contain a little CD that had the software for backing ever scanning memory cards and hopefully recovering them. So I spent £300 in Dixon's at the airport and this memory card opened up and it's a leaflet and you got to download it. I thought, oh, great. Tried to log on the internet, would not log on, could not download it. So I thought, right, get out to Egypt, I'll do it then. Got out to Egypt and the whole area where our hotel was had no internet at the time. It was all down. So I was like, what are we going to do? A week went by before finally the internet got up and the hotel was rubbish. Got down to the local Starbucks and I spent the whole day in the Starbucks waiting for the stuff to download. So eventually it downloaded, scanned the memory cards. Three days it took to scan the compact flash. Three days I had to wait to see if this was going to work or not. And eventually scanned the memory card and they were all there. You know, we never lost any of the pictures. I was over the moon. And I spent the remaining two weeks of my holiday just editing these pictures. And I was just beautiful pictures at the time. I was so happy with them. Um, and came, came back from the, hol the holiday and, and presented the couple with the USB and stuff and of the images. And they were just over the moon with the pictures. They were so happy. Now, it was two years after the wedding before I finally told the bride what was going on. It was crazy, you know, but I was so stressed and worried about it. And she was so cool about it. She was like, well, it's fine. I'm, I'm glad you didn't tell me at the time, you know, I would have stressed. But, you know, you did a great job. You produced fantastic images. We're over the moon. And the thing is, off the back of that one wedding, I got four more. Four more off that one wedding. I was over the moon. But at the same time, I didn't want to be a wedding photographer. I never wanted to be a wedding photographer. I couldn't think of anything worse than being a wedding photographer. In my opinion, wedding photographers were, has been photographers. They were people who never made it, people who couldn't get into the area they wanted to do. It was the last thing, the last resort, the lowest of the low, apart from maybe being a paparazzi photographer. But that's quite exciting, I'm sure. Um, and I think someone put that in my head once. I don't know who, but I think someone put that in my head and it kind of stuck with me. And, and I battled for years with with that. I battled the fact that I didn't want to just be a has-been before I even made it as such. But I just, I didn't want to be a wedding photographer. I didn't, it, it wasn't me. I wasn't that kind of lovey-dovey kind of person. And, you know, I, I just looked at other wedding photographers as being, they were all male at that time. Majority of them were all male and they, they just couldn't be bothered. That's, that's the impression I got. So for many years, I, I battled with this in my head that, that, that I was I was nothing. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough to be anything. And I had that kind of, um, I was building up my business as a, a wedding photographer. I'm selling myself to these people as a wedding photographer. I'm having to be confident and, and sell myself. And I kind of felt a bit of an imposter as well, that imposter syndrome where you really, are you really good enough to be doing what you're doing? And 
you know, it's 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 it was very difficult to deal with that. And and then I met my fiance Iris, and oh, she just turned my wall around. And I remember sitting down with her, and we we discussed it, you know. And she builds up my confidence, and and she reassures me. She doesn't give me, you know, she doesn't give me bullshit. She doesn't stroke my ego, but at the same time, she doesn't hold back, you know. And and um, she's honest, and that's what I love about her. So, you know sitting down with her discussing this and you know we were getting really serious and and i kind of started to do a lot more research on photographers and realizing what they were achieving and who they were and when you break down a wedding photographer and their roles you know of what they have to do you are a portrait photographer you are a documentary photographer you are a product photographer and if you love doing the art stuff at night and the the stuff that I do, then you're a landscape photographer as well. So you've got these kind of four elements of the photography. Then you're also a psychologist. If you're good at what you do and you're good people skills and you're involved in the wedding, you're a psychologist because, you know, you've got these 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 couples who have, you know, a good chance they've never been married before. They don't know what to expect and they're having to deal with all these other suppliers and most of them don't really. They, they care about what they're doing but at the same time, like customer care, they're not good at the communication, they're not good at. So they're stressing out and if you're like myself, very involved, you've got to reassure them that it'll be okay, it'll be fine and you'll help them and, you know, if you've got 30 couples who are like that, that that's a lot of pressure on your, your shoulders to deal with. So, there's that side of it. And the thing that I think personally with wedding photography that's neglected is customer care and customer relationship. You know, you could be the best photographer in the world. But if you can't look after your clients, you're never going to make it, you know. And I know this. I know there's photographers out there that I know that are absolutely phenomenal photographers, but can't speak to people they don't talk to people you know they don't interact with people and they they don't know how to 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 interact with couples or deal with situations in their opinion oh we're just here to to capture the wedding which is true you are but to me to give that customer service you need to be involved in the wedding we're very involved in the wedding we are very much if we have to take control because no one else is we will you know we will keep you right we will you know if we find that your your bridal party is driving you nuts we will kick them out of the room if your mom's driving you crazy we will kick them out of the room as long as a couple are happy that is all that's important and we i've done it i've done that before and it takes a lot of balls to do that but you've got to do it so there's that kind of aspect side of things as well looking after them and then the customer care as well after the wedding you know there's something i've been working a lot on this this last year is is that kind of customer care is making sure that they're happy that they get everything they want and and they're happy with the products and we i do a lot of um i like to think i'm educating my couples but from the minute they book me right up through to getting the album i send them loads of emails and it's all educating them it's all talking about okay you've got the engagement shoot think about your location why would you go to this certain location or think about the time of day why do we need to photograph an hour or two hours before the sunset we'll talk about golden hour what to wear well just don't turn up in your usual clothes bring two clothes sets of clothes bring a ball gown a ball dress tuxi tuxedo or something like that and then have casual let's just make the most of it now a lot of photographers don't put a lot of effort into the pre-wedding shoot and i think it is i think every photographer should offer this part of the package as standard because one your clients need to know that they're happy with the images you're going to produce you need to get to know your clients and you need to get to know how they work that's what the pre-wedding shoots there 
After the pre-wedding shoot, I asked my clients to send me the pictures or the file names of the pictures of the ones they don't like and tell me why. So if it's a certain type of posing or the way they're looking, the way they're standing, if they don't like it, I can't do those photographs on the day, you know, or in the way that they are. I can't do that on the day. So do they like looking at the camera? Do they not like looking at the camera? Do they like kissing? Do they not like kissing? All these sort of things you need to know before the wedding so that you can produce well, within reason, 100% of the best pictures, let's say 99.9% of the best pictures that they, they want from their day. Your pre-wedding shoot does that and it, it brings that down that barrier as well. So to me, if you're starting in the wedding industry, pre-wedding shoots, also they're great practice and they're great for social media, you know, so that is really, really important. Then, um, kind of lost track of what I was thinking about pre-wedding shoots very important educating them that's right educating about the pre-wedding shoots and then through the wedding getting little hints and tips like you know in the morning make sure your room is tidy there's nothing worse when I walk into a room or a house and the place looks like a bomb's gone off in it and there's clothes everywhere there's makeup everywhere there's no room to swing a cat it's just insane that's going to affect the pictures so I educate my couples by saying, make sure the room is tidy. Make sure your dress is on a mannequin or make sure it's on a, um, a really nice hanger, hanging up. And the same with the bridesmaids. Make sure the bridesmaids' dresses are all hanging up. And like I've said in previous time, I take white hangers with me because, you know, they're just, they're not going to think of anything, they don't think anything of it. And if the dresses are on a crappy plastic hanger, that's going to affect your photographs. And you want your photographs to be the best that you can produce so you can use them in your portfolio. Every picture you take, you should be thinking this needs to be a portfolio picture. Again, within reason. But everything that you can um, affect, everything that you can deal with, go for it. So I keep hangers with me, all these sort of things. It's, it's very, very important. So I educate my couples and I give them our details and explain how everything's going to go. And then we do a venue walk around which I include in all the packages and we spend, you know, a good half an hour, an hour walking around their wedding venue. Even if I've been to that vet wedding venue 50, 60 times, I want to know what the couple like about it. I want to know where the couple like, where, where would you like to go and do your pictures? Tell me what you like and I'll tell you what I like. And we will try and, and rotate locations. So if you've got this one venue and say there's three really good places, well, I will not take the same couple, the, the every couple to the one place. I will rotate it every wedding so the idea is I'm minimizing the chances of a couple looking in their wedding album and then looking in someone else's wedding album who had the same venue and they were me and it was the same pictures you don't want that you want your pictures to be as unique as possible so that their wedding is unique I hope that that kind of makes sense so we do all this kind of educating and then my how-to videos as well on how to use a gallery and how to to um, pick their favorites and things like that so that's really really important so customer care i would say is almost as important as as taking the pictures himself now i'm i'm not the best photographer i know i'm not the best photographer i'm learning so much still especially after doing 10 years of photographing weddings but i really do believe that the way that we are at a wedding the way that we interact with guests and and the bridal party and the venue it's very unusual for photographers and we've, we've had a lot of people tell us that it's very unusual for photographers. So that's, to me, that's important because I think it shows in the pictures and it makes a couple have a good time. And I'm a little bit cheeky as well and we have laughs and stuff like this. It's very, very rare that I offend someone and if I do, I just dig myself a deep hole and, and keep going for it. But that's just <laughs> the way that it is. So that's kind of, you know, 
how I got into weddings and some of the tips in wedding photography and, 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 you know, there's loads of them out there. And this is what I'm saying before that maybe doing a kind of business podcast, talking about the business of photography and, and, um, helping maybe people grow is it could be, could be really good. And I've got the knowledge I've made the mistakes. I'm still making mistakes. You know, I always will. And, and, and that's how you grow as a photographer. So if it's something that you want more of, then definitely get onto the photography group. Leave a comment. Tell us what you want to know. Um, is there anything you want to know? Any advice? Uh, and I've also got some stuff written down as well that I'd like to cover. So maybe that's the way that it will work. If Ross is up for it, we can do a landscape podcast. Oh, sorry, my phone's gone off there. Uh, a landscape um, podcast, a wedding podcast, and then maybe a business podcast and talking about maybe more of the business side of things. So that should be really good. So yeah, just another kind of reminder about our Facebook group, go into Facebook and search the Photographer's Crack podcast uh, or click the link on the website and that'll take you to the Facebook group. Give it a join and I think if we think you're genuine, we'll add you. It'd be really good. Also, if you're listening on iTunes, please, please give us a five star rating and leave a little bit of uh, text just to say it was really good and what you like about it. Um, this is how we kind of get exposure. It's very important. It's like everything over social media, liking and sharing and all sorts of stuff. Same with iTunes. If you give us a five star, if you leave a comment, then there's a good chance that more people will find this podcast and then we can kind of grow it. You know, we do this completely for free and we fund it out of our own pockets because it's fun. We enjoy it. And we give something back to you. So that should be it. Um, social media, you can find me on my website, which is uh, jameskelly.co. That's jameskelly.co. Kelly is K-E-L-L-Y. You can go into Facebook and search James Kelly Photography or type it in the bar at the top, all one word, and you will get me. Uh, and also on Instagram is James Kelly underscore photo. And you'll get me on there as well for all my portrait and wedding work. Landscape is slightly different. It's all under just James K, but that's everything. So that's it. I've rambled on long enough and I'm not sure <laughs> if, uh, if I'm going to be able to speak after this. It's really hard doing a podcast by yourself. Uh, I'm currently sitting and staring at a screen with all my notes and it's it's a bit strange, but I enjoy it. It's really good and I hope you enjoyed it as well. And please, please give us our feedback. We really want to grow this podcast and we want to know what you like and what you don't like about it so that we can improve. So please don't hesitate to uh, give us your feedback on the Facebook group or ping us a DM, whatever. It'll be all really good. So until next time, hopefully Ross will be back with us. Um, thank you very much for your time. And I hope to see you on the Facebook group. Bye for now.